That's what happens when you don't have your glasses on when you're turning the pages. Instead of John, you accidentally find yourself in Jeremiah. (laughs) When it was evening on that day, the day of the resurrection, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. Remember in Genesis, the creation of humanity. He breathed upon them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came And stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, on this your day, may the words of my mouth and the meditations and thoughts of all of our hearts and minds be pleasing to you, acceptable to you. O Lord, our rock, our redeemer. Amen. And amen. Bless Thomas's heart. Yeah. You know, we should be grateful to him, though. He's a lot like most of us, if we'd be honest about it. I mean, especially in today's see-it-believe-it world, where you have to have science on your side. Have you ever noticed now that in our culture, instead of saying that it's the will of God that What we say nowadays to get people on the hook is to say, science says. Have you noticed that? 
Oh boy, the advertisers really love that, don't they? The latest scientific ingredient. Uh-huh. The resurrection of the dead. The resurrection of Jesus. That is not the easiest truth for modern man to grasp and to believe. I mean, Christians throughout the ages have struggled with this in coming to belief. But it's interesting to me. I mean, when I stressed the weak in the readings, you were probably thinking, boy, Jesus made him wait, didn't he? You know, I had never thought of it this way. He was there with the rest of the disciples a whole week being stubborn like that, and they put up with him, didn't they? Man, wasn't it so great when Jesus came? I'm not even going to talk about that. I can just imagine it, can't you? I mean, they weren't that much different from us. Oh, here they go again. He was still a part of their fellowship. He was still one of them. They were patient with him. That should really encourage us in the things that we struggle with and in our doubts. I do think it's also interesting, and we need to remember before getting into the sermon proper, that Thomas believed, then he lost faith, but he returned to an even greater faith than he had had when he started out. So for Thomas, that, well, I'm not going to believe unless I see it, The patience that the disciples showed them and the love Jesus showed him was a path to that greater commitment for Thomas before the resurrection never said, my Lord and my God to Jesus. But also don't forget this. If he had not been in the presence of the other disciples, if he had said, well, I'm just... Oh boy, I might step on toes here. It doesn't matter. Um, You know, I'm just not getting anything from meeting with those disciples like I used to. We've just been hanging in that room. They're not even willing to go out. They're too scared. I'm out here and I'm I'm doing things. I I don't even believe that, but I'm still going to be out here and do it. I'm not going to be scared. If he had just given up on them, he would have never seen Jesus. Isn't that interesting? You know, there are about five good sermons in here. I promise from now on I'm just going to preach one. Okay. I love Thomas's character because we can always see so much of ourselves in him in different ways. I mean, we've all experienced what I believe was the focus last Easter. We've all had that experience of, oh no, that's just too good to be true. When you think something... Oh, it just, that's too awesome. That can't be right. That can't be, I can't be loved that much. How many? (laughs) Gentlemen, if your spouse is with us and here today, there is only one correct answer to this question. Did you marry out of your league? Now, I know I did. I'm just helping the rest of you guys out so you don't look confused here. Now, how can such a wonderful person, I mean, I know myself, I'm not that wonderful. How can someone love me? It's too good to be true. You know, some of y'all are still hoping on that lottery, but if you actually did get that phone call, you'd have... 
okay, what's the gag? Hmm. But let's go to a different take on Thomas this time. The character of Thomas, and Thomas was a character, was Thomas sometimes negative? Let me give you a couple of quotes. John eleven sixteen. This was when Jesus was going to raise Lazarus who had just died. Remember what Thomas said? Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. Wasn't being all that sunny, was he? He was still willing to go. He was still willing to die if necessary, but he automatically went to, I guess, where Eeyore would go, wouldn't he? Oh, no, we're going to where the enemies are. They're going to kill us. Well, let's go. How about this? And you know the way to where I'm going. Lord, Thomas said, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus had just told his disciples he was going away. He tells the disciples they know where he is going. They know how to get there themselves. But Thomas, again, being a bit skeptical, well, I I need more, Jesus. I need more. So we know that he was brave enough to face death. We know that he was afraid to ask questions. And I do think the passage in and of itself tells us something about Thomas because that day Thomas was not with them. Where were they in that room hiding because they were afraid to be seen? Thomas was not with them. Does that mean Thomas was the one who was responding to his anguish and the death of Christ by taking that risky behavior by putting his life on the line, by walking around saying, huh, you can hide. You can hide in here after they killed him. But remember when I said, let's go with him so we can die with him? If they want to take me, they're welcome to. He seems to be a bit of a pessimist. And if you've ever felt that temptation to pessimism, what is it we say when we, well, I just don't want to be disappointed. Well, there's a difference. If you're always expecting to be disappointed, chances are you will be. But he was pessimist, but he was brave. But If he was brave while the others were not, doesn't that make you feel just a bit proud of yourself? Okay, gentlemen, how about some of these teenage gentlemen back here? Have you ever engaged in risky behavior? Just to prove, (laughs) look at me. Oh, come on. You know that some of you, you might have to think back a ways. Can I just make a suggestion? If someone is daring you to do something on YouTube, please don't do it. It is funny, but I saw an article recently about a young man who, um, on a dare, swallowed, cover your ears, squeamish, one of those garden slugs. And he is now not a joke. He is now a quadriplegic. Because of something, a virus he contracted from taking that dare. Okay? 
Don't engage in risky behavior trying to show off. It doesn't work. It does tend to make you a little puffed up. So I can just imagine as well when he comes back and he's feeling his oats that here all of the other disciples are suddenly happy. And they're like, we see Jesus. You have not seen Jesus. If Jesus was going to appear to anyone, why would he appear to all of you hiding in here? If he's going to appear to anyone, he wouldn't be appearing to these fair weather disciples. He would be appearing to the one who is willing to die with him. He even appeared to Peter and he didn't appear to me. Maybe he was offended. We know Thomas was a bit testy in this sense. He failed the do not put the Lord your God to the test, test. Remember Jesus saying that to Satan? In Luke, 20, uh, Luke 4, 12, also in Deuteronomy 6, 16. But there is one thing that I really, really like, and you can't argue with it, and you don't even have to imagine it. Thomas was honest about where he was in his faith. He did not try to hide it, to cover it. He didn't just swallow and said, well, I, I just don't think I believe that, but uh, I'll just keep going on. Now, see, the thing is, when we have doubts, we often try to hide them from others. Sometimes we try to hide them from God. Sometimes we even try to hide them from ourselves. But unattended doubts can be like unattended physical wounds. It can be something that starts small, but if you don't take care of it, it can fester. Doubts that are left unattended can fester and grow and can tear you apart. Now see, the thing is though, Jesus knew Thomas. Jesus knows us. He knows when we doubt. He knows where we struggle in our faith. He knows when we stumble. He knows the things that are tripping you up. So I think that, that if we take nothing else from Thomas, we should be able to take this. Admit it. Confess it. Just say it. Lord, I'm having trouble with this. Lord, I'm having trouble. I believe. Help mine unbelief. And it's not just the why are things going this way in my life. It can be those questions that you go to scripture and you find the questions in there. Lord, how can you be so loving here and Tell your followers to take this action there. Lord, why does it say all of these things about how we should choose you, but then it says you chose us? There are a lot of things that we struggle with in our faith. And it's okay. Because if you notice with Thomas, he didn't run from it. He got it out there. Maybe even offended the disciples doing it, but he got it out there. And the end result was he came to a greater faith. Because the really amazing thing of the gospel, you can sum it up in this 
sentence, and there have been different variations of it. Religion is about our reaching out to God. The gospel is about God's reaching out to us. There is a difference. Dr. Will Willimon said, The resurrected Christ goes back to and appears before the very same ragtag group of people who so disappointed him, misunderstood him, forsook him, and ran off into the darkness. He returns to his betrayers. He returns to us. And that's what we can see in today's gospel from John. The followers of Jesus hunkered down, alone, behind locked doors, afraid. But then the risen Christ comes to them, even though they were full of fear and doubt. They didn't... (laughs) John and Peter ran to the tomb, but they ran back. They didn't go out searching for him. He came to them. That is the dynamic of the Easter message. Just think about it. The ladies go to the tomb. He is not there. He is risen. Mary crying outside the tomb. Where is he? Where is he? Jesus comes to her. Go and tell them, I will meet them. They're over here. The disciples locked in a room. Jesus comes to them. Two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus, shaking their heads heavy and hard, wondering what this all means. Can they, can they believe? Can they trust their wounded hearts to believe again? And Jesus comes to them. That is the gospel. As my Father sent me, now I am sending you. This is the nature of the post-resurrection faith. Thomas is that pattern of what was to come, that faith that has to go beyond immediate sight. That finding Jesus, if you notice, in the midst of those who follow him. And that confession that he is our Lord And our God. Have you ever thought of this? Jesus' last beatitude was reserved for us. Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. That's all of us. Post-resurrection, post-ascension. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet come to believe. That is the last recorded beatitude. And it is ours. And it makes sense. Because sometimes, often, almost always, the most important things are the things that we cannot directly see. How do you see directly? The love of a parent for a child, of the child for a parent. How do you directly see the faithfulness and trustworthiness of a spouse? How do you directly see the admiration that someone has for their mentor? You only see it by the effects that it produces. But those are the things that are the most important of all in life. One story and then we'll close. 
while I was looking through different commentaries and different outlines today, there was one minister who had written down a story of what happened to him. His name is Reverend Jeff Smead, and it was perfect, and I want to share it with you today. He said, one day, while my son and I were out in the woods, I heard a voice yell, Hey, Dad! Whoa. Catch me! Tell that to Anita. She'll love it. Let's start over. One day while my son and I were out in the woods, I heard a voice yell, Dad! Dad! Catch me! I turned around to see Justin, his son, joyfully jumping off of a rock straight at me. Okay? Dad, catch me! You turn around and here is the boy in midair heading your way. I immediately became a, a circus act, you know, juggling the kid here. Ah! He caught him, and they both fell to the ground. He caught him, so they knocked him to the ground. And for a moment after I caught him, I couldn't speak. But when I found my voice, he said, Justin, what would you say? <laughs> Yeah, but see, that's what I said. I said, don't, don't do that again. But he, he said the leading question that it produced a wonderful story. Justin, give me one good reason why you did that. And with remarkable calmness, his son replied, because you're my dad. Because you're my dad. Because I know you will catch me. Because I know if I fall, you are there. When I am weak, you are strong. When I have my doubts, you are reassurance. Blessed are you who have not seen and yet come to believe. We can imagine the ending. For one day, your faith will end in sight. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You. Not only for Your Son, but for those that He called that help us learn about ourselves. For we see ourselves in them. Lord, Peter denied You. And Lord Jesus, You came to him. Thomas doubted you, and you reached out to him. The other disciples hid in fear, and you came to where they were and promised them peace. Lord, in this crazy world, catch us when we stumble. Bring peace to the midst of our fearful moments. Help our unbelief and let us rest securely and trustingly in your love. Dear Lord, please let it be. Amen and amen.